Hello, and thank you for joining us today on OK811's podcast. My name is M.G. Govia. I'm the Education and Outreach Liaison here at OK811. And I'm going to be talking about quite a few different topics, mostly about trenching safety today with my guest, Ben Montoya with Tri-State Safety. And um, before we dive into that, this is OK811's podcast. So I assume a majority of our listeners know all about calling before you dig, putting in that locate request, getting the flags and paint down to make sure you know where the underground facilities are. But then once that happens, then you have to have safe excavation. And so that's what we're going to be talking about is after the paint flags are down, what to do to have a safe excavation project and, um, and a few other topics today as well. So I appreciate you joining in today and we'll begin that podcast now. Ben, I really appreciate you joining us today. Um, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, gee, hey, I appreciate you having me here today. Uh, I'm Ben Montoya. I'm the president of Tri-State Safety Services. The Tri-State Safety Services is an all-inclusive occupational safety and health con- uh, consulting company that works with people from all different all different walks of life, all different professions. So we, um, if 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 you're if you've heard of the profession, we've probably done consulting in it. So I, uh, I appreciate you having me here. It's an honor to be here for uh, National uh, National Trench Awareness Safety Month. So I, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm blessed and thankful to be able to be here with you today to, um, to be able to share a little bit about what I know about trench safety. Outstanding. Um, I'm looking forward to learning a little bit more. Um, on my end, as you know, with OK11, we're always going to know about the notification process and making sure our member companies, those utility owners and operators, know when digging is going to take place near their facilities and to get that process done. But out in the field, once the construction starts, that is where my knowledge it needs to improve, and I'm really looking forward to getting to know a little bit more about it. Um, so. We assume that the company did the right thing. They gave, they called us, they contacted us, put in that locate request. They waited the required time, which is no less than 48 hours, not including the date of notification, and no more than 10 days, um, including weekends and holidays. And they waited that time. They ensured that all the member companies came out and marked their lines as they should. And now they're ready to begin. When they start their process, what's the first thing that you, they need to look at to make sure that they are in a working safe project? So one thing I really stress the importance on is, is situational awareness. Every single one of my presentations, every single one of my classes, when I do safety meetings, I always talk about the aspect of situational awareness, always being aware of what's going on around you at all times. And that includes the, um, the inclusion of the one call, making sure the one call is done. So I tell people when you pull up onto a location, a lot of the workers don't know the first thing about a one call. It's the administrative staff or the the project managers that have done the one call. So a lot of workers just assume that a one call has been done and that's a really dangerous thing. So I tell them when, and when I do like OQs, so, when I do OQs, I tell them what's what's the first thing that you look for and make sure is done before you do any digging. Now I tell them to look for the paint, look for flags, look for markers, look overhead, look behind you, look in front of you, look all around you. That's what the aspect of situational awareness is. That makes sense. Always knowing aware of what's going on around you and 
making sure I tell excavators, hey, go get your go get your project manager, go get your foreman, get your straw, box. get somebody that is in charge of doing that 811 and make sure that it uh, the one call has actually been completed because uh, there's a lot of people out there that will just, uh, you know, as well as I do, will say, well, we don't have the time to wait. And it doesn't look like anything's ever been put down here before, so we're safe. Right. And, that, and that's something that we run into a lot, those who are willing to risk digging blind. And that isn't something to risk. Um, as you mentioned earlier, this month is National Safe Trenching Month. People need to be aware of what safety is when it comes to digging and excavation. And digging blind is the worst thing that anybody can do. 100%, 100%. I have investigated several line strikes that resulted in explosions, that resulted in fatalities and catastrophic injuries. The people that lived probably uh, probably wish that they hadn't done so because there are they're they're never the same they're never the same so so yeah digging blind i show a video where where it shows a contractor going to the house and he says hey have you done a one call oh just dig around and they're fill around you'll find your way you'll know if you'll hit something and unfortunately that is a things are changing that culture is changing that culture is 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 veering towards doing things the right way but for so many years that was just the mentality that, that people had so oklahoma's underground facility damage prevention act it was started in 1982 officially as a law so yeah. that law has been around for so long but the technology and the the webbing of the infrastructure is totally not what the legislation foresaw in 1982, uh, boring, directional drilling, uh, the massive amounts of telecommunications. I mean, think of about the internet back then. It sure. wasn't existing. <laughs> and so all this is there now. And I think law was a great starting point, but now we're getting excavators that get caught up to the fact that, yeah, there, this is a starting point, but there's really are things underground every single time. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, want you to, I want you to think about something that you just said. So when did that act come into play? 1982, right? right? So when did the OSHA Act come into play? Okay, in the early 70s, 7071. So have you ever heard that expression, Rome was a built in a day? Right. It's been a it's been a constant revolving um, revolving thing, uh, trial by error, if you will. So hey, this didn't work. Let's do this. And excavation safety has been the exact uh, the exact same thing. You can you can put a set of rules and regulations, but there is always room for improvement. And we're never going to be perfect. Twenty years down the road, we're still going to be trying to make the process better and and perfect what we're doing. There's always room to do things a better way. And when it comes to trench safety, that is that is so critical and crucial to have that mindset of hey there's always a better way of doing things because what I run into, just as I'm sure you run into with the one call system, we have been doing it like this. It's the ideology and the thought process. And we've been doing it like this for 30 years and nothing has happened yet. So why should we change? Well, I tell you what, man, it only, it only takes one bad day, one bad day for things to go South and change your entire look on things and and what I tell people in any class any training that I do do things the right way because now that you know now that you know and there are a lot of people out there that simply 
don't know. But if you do things the right way, or or if you know how to do things the right way and you don't, and something happens, you will sit there. And I, unfortunately, I've seen many people who sat back and said, I knew I should have done it the right way. I knew what I was supposed to do and I didn't. Yeah. And unfortunately for some of those people, it's too late. Yeah, similar with, um, I'm sure, sometimes you have to remind people, hey, the law is black and white. We can talk about the law, we can talk about OSHA being the black and white letter and the rules and regulations and all this other stuff. And sometimes you just have to step back and go, if you care more about what this law or this regulation says than just being safe, then you're doing your entire job wrong. If you care, if you just come into the workplace with the mentality of, I'm going to be safe today so that I can come back to work tomorrow. (laughs) If you have those two things on your mind instead of, well, this statute here says this, then I think you're already on the right track. Use the law to back up why you're doing what you're doing, but start with safety first and then use the law to justify that or use regulations to justify that. Well, let's capitalize on that a little bit. It's it's a term that I use and is widely used in in this world of, of occupational safety and health, it's called risk tolerance, right? So risk tolerance in a nutshell is how far are you willing to push that envelope before you get bit and you gotta jump back and say, ow, I, I shouldn't have done that, right. okay? That's what risk tolerance is. How much, every single one of us, we all allow a certain amount of risk into our lives every single day. And you'll hear that again when we talk about planning safety into your day. We are, creatures of habit. So we don't just flip on a switch when we go to work and say, hey, I'm gonna be safe today and I'm gonna do everything the right way. When I get my company truck, I'm gonna do the speed limit. But when I get off work, when I get home, I'm gonna act like an idiot, okay? We don't just flip on a switch, we're creatures of habit. How we live is how we work. And the people that cut the corners thinking, well, when people say things like, okay, be safe when they throw those little cachet phrases out there. Be safe. Hey, safety always. Safety first. Are they really following that? Are they believing in what they're saying? Are they are they going in and doing the right thing that that they're supposed to be doing? And the the fact of the matter is, there's a lot of people out there that do do the right thing and do do a lot of good things. But there's a lot of people out there that say things and they cut corners. And, and cutting corners, especially in the, in the world of pipeline and excavations, there's an extreme amount of integrity that goes into uh, working around uh, pipelines mm-hmm. and digging below the surface of the ground. If you nick that line and if you don't say anything, people's lives can be taken, drastically affected property can be damaged down the road when that line corrodes, blows out, explodes. You know, innocent people's lives are at stake. So that's why there's a tremendous amount of integrity in yeah. in the the 811 one call system. Right, exactly. Um, was the shift gears just a little bit. Um, first of all, um, all that is absolutely true. We wanna make sure that safety is paramount um, if anybody listening to this podcast takes anything away is understanding that safety is truly a lifestyle. It's not, like you said, not something you can just switch on and off. It's either you are safe or you're not safe. There's nothing in between, unfortunately. Um, you can be safe for a moment, but then once you turn it off, you're, you're just taking those risks again. And it's not, it's not the way um, I want um, the excavation community to, to, to be. Um, so, 
the, there's a company um, that put in their locate request, they did everything right, they're on the site. Let's talk about those OSHA regulations a little bit. Um, what's required um, for a safe project? Okay, so let's say, like you said, the, the one call is done, everything is cleared, now we start digging. Mm -hmm. So you have the digging process, we dig a, uh, we dig a bell hole for pipelines or we dig a trench. We stick our bucket into the ground. Anytime you stick your bucket into the ground and take soil out, you are digging. Right. Okay, that is an excavation. So let's say we go in and we have this nice, beautiful, nice, nice, beautiful excavation. How do we know that it's safe to work in? We, um, if, if, if an individual is, is not properly trained, they might look at it and say, wow, that sure looks deep. But okay, let me run down in there. They don't think about what could happen, right. what can happen. So uh, OSHA has a competent person rule. OSHA requires a competent person to inspect that excavation before any employees enter it. Okay, not just when employees enter it, when there has been a change like the weather has changed, when there's been a collapse of the trench wall, the competent person has to go in and evaluate that that trench or that excavation to make sure it's safe for employees to enter before the employees enter it. Gotcha. Okay. So what, before we really jump ahead of ourselves, let's talk about what the competent person is because there are, uh, there are a lot of misconceptions out there and, and what it boils down to is, is lack of training that people simply don't know. And if you if you don't know, knowledge is power. You've heard that, right? right exactly. Knowledge is power. So if you don't know, you can't act. So what the competent person's responsibility is, is to go in and the competent person, go in and examine that excavation to make sure it's safe. The competent person has to be one who has the knowledge, skills, and abilities to be able to react and respond to anything that might, any unsafe condition that might happen while employees are in that trench, whether it's um, whether it's not being sloped or or benched enough, not having the proper protective system in place, whether we're paralleling a line that might have hydrogen sulfide in it, or if there's been a gas leak, things to look for right. to keep that excavation safe. You know, the atmospheric testing aspect. You know, who's going to be doing the atmospheric testing? Well, it's usually the competent person, okay? So it doesn't have to be the competent person, but it usually is. So it has to be the, the competent person has to be somebody who not just has the knowledge, skills, and abilities to be able to react and respond. What, what does that sound like? Let's back up a second. <laughs> that sounds like the OQ rule, right? Right. Right? So that's essentially the exact same thing that the competent person is. The competent person has to be able to look at something, know it's bad, and take it one step further. The competent person is the one who has the authorization to take prompt corrective measures to eliminate those hazards, those unsafe conditions that could exist or do exist in an excavation, all right? So any excavation that is deeper than four foot a competent person has to go in and give their blessing, if you will, for employees to go in and work in that, that excavation. So once the competent person uh, deems that it's safe, then employees can go in there and work. So I said a second ago, uh, 
trench safety in a nutshell is actually really easy. <laughs> There's just a, a, a small handful of things that you need to follow yeah. to, to stay safe. It's, it's really not a rocket science when you really think about it. So I said a second ago, if if that trench is is four foot a competent person has to four foot deep a competent person has to examine that to make sure it's safe yeah at four foot deep there has to be a means of access or regress a way in and out of that excavation within every 25 foot of an employee working in that excavation that access or regress has to be so that uh, this is this is why I say this, so that the oldest, fattest, most out of shape person on that job, which is usually me if I'm there, can get in and out of that excavation with great ease. All right. So to give you an idea real quick, I'm gonna while we're discussing this, I'm gonna throw out the word crushing hazard. Crushing hazard, crushed by one cubic yard. Did you know that one one cubic yard? of dry type C soil, the weakest soil that exists, weighs approximately 2,700 pounds. Wow. You take a car out there in the parking lot, imagine having that car dropped on you. How well are you gonna fare? You're gonna get crushed, right? Yeah, yeah. Most, yes, yes, yes. So I ask people all the time, do you think that you could die in three foot of soil? Investigated a fatality where a welder was on his back in a trench, three foot, on his back, up underneath the pipe, and the wall caved in, and it crushed him, okay? Wow. 2,700 pounds. If you add moisture, rocks, other types of soil to it, the weight just increases yeah. from there. So that's why I throw out that word, people are crushed. People that die in in trench collapses, they die from being crushed to death. Yeah. Right here in our own backyard, we've had, three blocks away, we've had fatal, uh, a fatality. Oh, wow. A 27-year-old father, uh, day before Thanksgiving, didn't come home to his kid. You know, it happens. Unfortunately, it happens. So that's the the competent person takes on a tremendous amount of responsibility and liability when they give their blessing for someone to work yeah. in that excavation. They take on a tremendous amount of responsibility, and a lot of employers don't realize. For one, they don't realize. Hey, I've got to have a competent person, and and two, they don't really know where to get training uh, to do the competent person class, and um, and, and frankly, uh, there there are a lot of people out there that, that do trainings that make business owners frown and say, if this is what our safety training is going to be like, we're almost better off without it. <laughs> and and I, I and I hate to say that, but then, unfortunately, that's that's what I get a lot and I'm able to go in and I'm, I'm able to talk to them when I, when I do these excavation classes, I, I do them to where it opens people's eyes and it's energetic and it's, it, it's interactive and, and, and people learn so much. But did you know that, that trench collapses are, are one of the most common injuries, fatalities in the workplace? Actually, um, I was listening to a training not too long ago and I found out that excavation fatalities is up there higher than our first responders in, 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 the, in the United States. So like when you think of firemen and police officers and all that stuff, our construction crews are putting their life at risk when they go into these trenches. And those fatality numbers over here is 
either close or even more. I'm pretty sure it was more when I heard this training. Right. And that's crazy to me. So, so when you think about it, there's a, there's a twofold thing there. There's a twofold thing. Uh, first, a lot of, a lot of people take confined space, for example, 60% of confined space fatalities are would be rescuers. Mm. Could a trench be a confined space? Depends. Okay. It, it, it depends. Uh, by, by definition, by definition it is. Okay. Now, is it a permit required confined space or non-permit required confined space? Hence the uh, excavation permit. All right. So a lot of rescuers, even professional rescuers, I have, I have tons of footage and newscasts of, of rescuers that went in after somebody and they ended up getting buried also. It's not human nature to stand by idle while somebody is is down in a trench being crushed to death. But if you can't see their head, chances are they're probably already gone. And if you put yourself in harm's way, if you jump down there with them, you're probably going to end up just like them. Yeah. So I teach that in confined space also. So let's go back to the number of fatalities. Now, for for general for general workers and anybody working in excavation from 2013 to 2017, the Bureau of Labor Statistics reported 97 deaths. All right, that's from that's in a four-year time period. That's from 2013 to 2017, 97 deaths. Several years ago, we were killing 100 people a year. Wow. At the end of the day, one is too many. Right. Because staying safe and working safely in trenches is it's so simple to do, but yet it's one of the most overlooked tasks whether it's it doesn't matter what industry you're in it doesn't matter if you're a municipal worker a county worker a firefighter a, a directional driller a plumber an electrician a pipeliner anybody that has the potential to go underneath the surface of the ground and work there are certain things that have to be put in place yeah first is the requirement of a competent person at every excavation second if an excavation is over five foot, not five and a half, not five, six, five foot. A protective system has to be put in place. A protective system being that of sloping, shoring, shielding, or benching. Gotcha. Simple things. What I hear so often is that trench box was gonna, it's, it was gonna be too expensive to get. We were only gonna be down there a second. Hey, there's a concept. We're only gonna be in that unsafe trench for a second. Hey. How long is a second? How long is a second? That's how long a second is. Yeah. Blink of an eye. Okay. Takes people a lot longer when they're down there in those in those trenches in just a second. Exactly. And and the soil's gonna fall. But like it, it could. And so they need to be aware of that. Obviously, like you said earlier, situational awareness is crucial in staying safe. Those competent persons who have that role and responsibility, they have to realize, like you said, just they're not just putting a stamp on a piece of paper. They're putting other lives at risk with their with what they're seeing. Absolutely. And that's huge. And the responsibility, it, it's not just for anybody. Obviously, you can't just throw anybody into that competent person responsibility. They have to have the mindset of these are my people, this is my crew, right. their lives are important their lives are more expensive or valuable. Let me rephrase that. Their lives are more valuable 
than the protection systems. <laughs> right. A company's most valuable asset is its employees. Right. If a company doesn't have employees, the company doesn't exist. If I run into this all the time, if if a company if a company is going to invest the time and invest the money to have somebody come in and train employees on safe work practices. And it's not just about excavation safety, it's about building a culture. When employees see that the employer is willing to put forth the effort to help keep them safe, employees are gonna buy into it. If the employees buy into it, then the employer is going to be successful because the employees are going to do the right thing. And it's it's a whole big revolving circle. Yeah. Okay. Employees buy into it, employer successful. Employer successful, they make more money. They more make make more money, the employees make more money. The employees are rewarded. And it's 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 just a it's just a, a big cycle. Yeah, a lot of people don't understand the productivity that comes from safety. Yeah. That like Hey, when you're not safe and someone hits something and you have to send them off to get drug tested, you have to stop your project for a few days and all this other stuff, your company's not making yeah. money because you ch someone chose not to be safe for a moment. And in certain cases, it's costing them money. I've done investigations with the Oklahoma Corporation Commission where employers have not done a one call, hit an unmarked line, or, or hit a marked line even. I've had both cases. And... Uh, the corporation commission says, okay, uh, it was the competent person out there <laughs> to show us, show us, we want to know everything that happened that day. Who is responsible? Well, a competent person's responsible, right? Well, if you don't have a competent person, then if, if you're not going to do the simplest thing is to have a competent person or practice good trench safety, then the regulatory agencies that are looking at you, it's going to throw up red flags everywhere. So, when I said a little while ago, integrity is a huge part of what we do. If you're willing to cut corners on the simplest, simplest thing that is not only going to set you up for success, but protect your employees, protect your number one asset, man, what else are you going to cut corners on down the road? Right. It's as simple as that. What else are you going to cut a corner on that's going to get an employee killed in a trench collapse that's going to get an innocent family killed when there's a blowout when there's an explosion okay the 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 list goes on and on of, of bad things that can happen when people don't do the right thing and it starts with creating not just a safety culture a positive safety culture right positive safety culture. And that's my job. That's what I do. When I go in and do these excavation trainings, any type of trainings, I go in and, and the, the way that I kind of look at it, I'm a salesman in the world of safety. Okay. <laughs> right. I have, I have people's attention for, for that, that long to be able to get them to buy into what I'm trying to sell them. Yeah. Which is ways to help keep them safe. And, 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 and being, being in, in trenches, where I work with so many people that work in trenches day in, day out, it is so simple and it's so safe. But like I said earlier, it's one of the the, the biggest overlooked things. Yeah. You know, and and you work with a lot of municipalities mm -hmm. that are that are digging every day, right? We don't have time, we don't have time to put a put a trench box in. We gotta get the water turned back on. So there is a sense of urgency, but increased risk tolerance 
lets people let their sense of urgency override their sense of safety. Because when you think about it, when, when we get in a hurry, use this as an example, when it's five o'clock on a Friday afternoon or it's 105 degrees, what are we, what are we going to do to, to try to get done? Right. We're going to, we're going to hurry up and cut corners, right? So our sense of urgency is up here. So does our sense of safety go up here? No, sense of safety goes out the window. When you're working in excavations, you can never, 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 ever let your sense of urgency override your sense of safety. That's how people get hurt. That's how people get killed. And people that try to cut corners and say, we're only gonna be in there in a second. We don't have the money to get a trench box. We don't have the time to do this. Like you said earlier, when your job is shut down, not only are you losing money, but if you end up getting fined by a regulatory agency, those aren't even the worst things. Those aren't even the worst financial impacts. If you kill somebody, mm -hmm. you're gonna have to deal with um, EMRs going up. You're gonna have to deal with, with OSHA fines. You're gonna have to deal with lawsuits. And even all that aside, you're gonna have to deal with the fact that you contributed to the loss of a human life and people do not get over that. Yeah, and a lot of my assumption is once that word is out in the community that, hey, this happened, I mean, you probably lost a lot of business, if not all of your business. So I'll have companies come to me and they'll say, what I do a lot is, let's say a company gets in trouble, they get in trouble with OSHA, um, FMCSA, some regulatory agency, Oklahoma Corporation Commission. So what'll happen is they'll come to me and they'll say, we've had an accident, we're in trouble, our insurance agent told us to call you, uh, so or or word of mouth, and um, we need help. We need we need help. We need someone to get us out of trouble. Right. When there's been a trench collapse, the way OSHA looks at trench collapses, it's hard. It's hard for me to go in and defend an employer uh, secondary to a trench collapse because a highly predictable, preventable event has occurred in OSHA's eyes and they're right trench collapses they're not accidents they're not accidents at all when people die in trench collapses is something could have been done to prevent it I don't care what people say there is no arguing with me there's no arguing with OSHA when it comes to why somebody died in trench collapse well you see the reason we did it like this was because of it no no stop if you didn't do it like OSHA says then you are doing it wrong, plain and simple. Yeah. Like I said, excavation safety, it's not a rocket science. There, there are certain things, dirt is unpredictable. You don't know what dirt's gonna do, okay? The ground's unpredictable. Uh, sur uh, surface encumbrances, trucks driving by, track hose, back hose, things, things that vibrate, things that are heavy, going, going past an excavation can cause the excavation to cave in. So you've gotta take all these things into account. That's what the competent person is for. So. Yes, when an accident happens, people will come to me and they'll say, how can we help? And I can't defend somebody when there's been a trench collapse because a highly predictable, preventable event has occurred. Wow. Um, with this being National uh, Safe Trenching Month, um, I, I want all of our listeners to know that on our website, they'll be able to see a, a brief article that you wrote explaining the dangers of 
taking shortcuts. They're not doing the right thing with, with changing. Um, so I want all of our listeners to know, go and check that out. Um, when, by the time this podcast is edited and um, produced, we'll have links to that as well. Oki 811 hosts live webinars every other Wednesday at 2 p.m. local time. These webinars cover a wide range of safety topics for both members and excavators. If you attend our live webinar, you will receive a certificate of attendance. And if you aren't able to attend the live webinar, register anyhow to receive a recording of the webinar the following day. To check out our webinar schedule, go to the education events page on our website, oki811.org. If you have questions or suggestions for topics for future webinars, please contact us at education at oki811.org. With that, I'm going to kind of wrap up the trenching topic and kind of move on to some other things, just other ways that we're partnering um, going forward. Um, starting um, next month in July, uh, for our listeners that have been with us the whole time, you know that we had an expo plan for April. We're really excited about it. That got rescheduled to July. And then with everything going on the way that it is, we've pivoted to overcome the situation. We've decided to take our breakout sessions um, that were part of the expo and turn them into virtual sessions. And Ben, you're gonna be providing two topics um, over those two days. On July 7th, you're gonna be doing a session over planning safety into your day. I feel like we probably knocked out a lot of the bullet points of that. that Didn't come close. Didn't even come close. (laughs) You hear that podcast listeners, you can go to this virtual session, you'll hear all new material. So check it out. Um, Can you give us just a little bit of overview of what that session is gonna do? You bet. So the first one, planning safety into your day it talks about not just not just being safety minded when we go to work but how to be safety minded and the way i open the presentation and what i tell people all the time is man everybody has an excuse as to why they didn't do things the right way okay everybody has an excuse would you be willing to give your excuses to a family member? Mm-hmm. One thing that I have to do, unfortunately, is I have to go face to face with family members who have lost their loved ones, whose family, who, whose husbands, sons, brothers, sisters, wives, whatever, aren't coming home. And that sucks. That's a really tough thing to do. And I take those things personally. I take those things personally. It never gets easier doing stuff like that. So when I talk about planning safety into your day, I talk about how we go forward in not just being not just being safety-minded individuals, but how we get there and the attitude that we need to have going forth. And then I talk about being a positive safety leader because everything that we do in life has, has consequences, right? Good or bad. And our attitude is what is going to determine. You can take the worst possible thing that can happen to somebody and with a good positive attitude, you can turn it around into a positive learning experience, right? Exactly. It, 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 we're the captains of our ship. We're the ones that decide if our attitude is going to be good or bad. So I talk about being a positive safety leader because one, one thing that everybody in this world has we, uh, 
everybody in this building, in this room, in the city, in the state, in this world, we all have uh, one, one trait, okay? One unavoidable trait. We learn by watching others. So I talk about being a positive safety leader and I talk about by being a positive safety leader, what does that make other people do? other young impressionable people or people that have been around since Jesus was a baby. Okay. Uh, they follow in your footsteps, right? If you do the wrong thing, they're going to follow. If you do the right thing, they're going to follow. Okay. So that's, that's a little bit about what planning safety into your day is about, um, how to go about being a positive safety leader and, and doing the right thing every day. Awesome. I'm looking forward to it. Um, with the virtual sessions, um, this is just one of them. You can go to our website, www.okexcavationsafety.com. Look over them, register for any of the topics. There's going to be 10 virtual sessions, uh, nine different topics. And Ben, you have one other topic that you're going to be doing. You're going to be doing accident investigation and incident reporting. Re responding to oh, okay. accident, incident, investigation. So what, what happens what happens so often is boom, something will happen. And, and, and a lot of companies, they don't think ahead. They don't think about what am I going to do if that worst day hits? Because when something happens to one of your employees, it is the worst day of your life. You're, you're looking at your entire livelihood, potentially swirling the drain. You've got a, a valued employee that is now either catastrophically injured or deceased. What are we going to do? Boom, something happens. What are we going to do? How are we going to react? How are we going to respond? Do we have to get OSHA involved? Who's going to deal with the insurance company? Who's going to talk to the family? What the incident and accident investigation portion covers is what to do initially. And let's say you are going to collect evidence. Let's say you're going to uh, interview employees. It's it's how to do that, and it's how to conduct those interviews, how to talk to the employees, how to collect the evidence, who to contact, because a lot of people don't realize and skirt the issue of, man, if if this accident falls into either reporting it to the Department of Labor OSHA or reporting it to FMCSA DOT. A lot of people think, oh, okay, I don't, I don't, I don't know what I'm supposed to do, so I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to call anybody, I'm not going to call anybody. And if if these things are in the newspaper sometimes, and and if uh, if the Department of Labor, if OSHA finds out that a uh, re reportable accident wasn't reported to them, huge fines, right. huge fines. So um, get you in a lot of trouble. So that's what that covers is is you know, how to react, how to respond. And, um, and it's, it's real useful for people that are already safety, safety people in that position that may not have the training to, uh, may not know exactly what to do in the event of an accident, how to investigate it and how to, how to do the interviews. And, uh, and it also gives people a, a, a little bit of an introduction to, Hey, if you have something catastrophic happen or something major happen, call me. And, and I can help you through that process. Very nice. Um, again, the website to register for any of these virtual sessions, yes, I'm selling it to you, is www.okexcavationsafety.com. A couple of things to keep in mind with those registrations. Um, when you register for a webinar, even if you're not able to attend the live 
session, you will be entered into a drawing for a hundred dollar gift card to Lowe's just for registering. Just um, hopefully you will be able to attend live, but by registering, you'll get the recording the day after. Uh, you still get all the great information that's going to be covered. And have I mentioned that this registration is free? So go do your free registration on as many of the topics as you want to learn and be entered into a drawing for that $100 gift card uh, to Lowe's. Then as you attend the virtual sessions and you're part of planning safety into your day, I'm going to be moderating the session. Ben's going to do a great job presenting. And then at the end of that session and every session, we're going to do a drawing for a virtual door prize. It's awesome. And I'm going to keep it a secret, but I promise you the door prizes are worth attending. Um, so I'm, I'm not going to give that away on a podcast, but attend the, web, uh, attend the web virtual sessions. Uh, you'll have a second chance to win. You're already in the drawing for the $100 clothes card. Now you're getting the virtual door prize by attending. And um, so, so it's a great opportunity for you to get some good knowledge, be in a couple of drawings, make your time worthwhile. And uh, also, if you're in the Oklahoma area um, while attending one of these virtual sessions, with your registration, we're going to send you a coupon code for Papa John's because, hey, you may need to stay at the office to catch this webinar. So we're going to give you 40% off of your Papa John's order. So we've, we're trying to make That's it awesome. easy for you to, to enjoy our virtual session. So we're looking forward to that. Um, ben, I really appreciate you joining us today for today's podcast. I truly hope everybody, biggest takeaway, just uh, understanding that when you put safety first, everything else kind of falls into place. And that whether it's trenching, whether it's that one call, whether any part of um, construction or excavation work, it just starts with that say, safety mindset and then um, understanding what your responsibilities are with that. And I think um, you did a great job of explaining that and sharing that with us. And then, of course, we want to promote the fact that you are going to be one of our speakers at the virtual sessions. Um, I, I'm sure that our podcast listeners are going to um, jump all over that and be a part of those um, sessions as well. Um, I will say right now that your uh, first session of the planning safety in your day has already over 50 registrations for it. So we're beautiful. So it's already getting it. It's awesome. traction. I would love to see that get over a hundred. So we're getting there. Um, so um, I just want to thank you one more time. Any last words before I wrap up the podcast? You bet, you bet. Uh, thanks, thanks for having me here. The the one thing that I really want to get out there, and it, I, I I want to give people a, a direction to go in if if they need help. So if anybody needs any help with anything with their health and safety program with training in specific areas, you can go to my website, TristateSafetyServicesLLC.com. You can, uh, you can reach out to me. You can give me a call anytime. We have a Facebook page, Tri-State Safety Services LLC. Uh, we put a lot of a lot of good information out there on that. A lot of fun stuff. The thing about safety is we make it fun. Because safety in a nutshell is kind of boring sometimes, to be honest with you. Yeah. <laughs> it, it can be. So we make it fun. Because if it's fun, people are learning. If people are learning, then companies are succeeding. So, and, and the last thing I want to say that I really want to get out there and let that be a reminder to everybody um, is to uh, be a positive safety leader. Lead safely, others will follow. Do the right thing, people follow in your footsteps. So I appreciate you guys. I, uh, I'll come to your business. I'll help you out. We go all around the United States and Canada. So we, we'll, 
we'll we'll go anywhere. We'll go anywhere we're needed. Yeah, they can help today, anyway. You can get there tomorrow. <laughs> That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So I appreciate the opportunity. And man, I can't believe you guys are giving away a Porsche. <laughs> oh wait, did I say that? Did that come out? My bad. All right. <laughs> I did, I did. I, that's awesome. I, I, I can't believe we're giving away a Porsche either. Oh, because we're not. Uh, <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, ben, I really appreciate our partnership. Um, there's going to be multiple opportunities for us to work together in the future, um, not only with these virtual sessions, but some other training opportunities. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, we, If um, the podcast listener, you didn't catch all of his contact information, we will have that, and always you can reach out to me um, if you have any questions for Ben. I can make that happen. Mine's the easiest to remember. It's just education at okable1.org. Shoot me an email, and I'll get you in contact with whatever you need. Because um, our goal um, with Okable One is to empower all of our listeners, whether you're an excavator or a facility owner operator, to be safe and um, have safe excavation and damage prevention throughout the state. So thank you again, Ben. Thank you listeners. And I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you. God bless. Have a great day and be safe.